0: Are you ever curious what's going on behind the scenes in Hollywood? You watch a Netflix show or a Marvel movie and you wonder, why was that person in it? Why did this movie get made? I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, on the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people
1: in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, we're going to bring you short, digestible
0: episodes featuring some of the smartest people I know breaking down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Follow The Town now and listen on Spotify.
2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.
1: All right, welcome back, you guys. It's an honor to have this gentleman on my show. Man, guys, he's made so much good stuff. So much good stuff that's out there. Um, Freedom Riders, I think, was one of them. Uh, Emmett Till, the special name. Miles Davis, guys. His uh, doc of Miles Davis was amazing. Crack cocaine. But now, this doc just really... It it sneaks up on you when you watch this. It's really one of the most... um, I mean, I felt... I almost threw up at the end of it, I have to tell you, for a number of reasons, and we'll talk about that, but in a good way. It's an honor to have Mr. Stanley Nelson with his uh, movie Attica, which has been nominated for an Academy Award on the show. Stanley, welcome to Black on the Hair.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: I had to intro like that because your film, it sneaked up on me. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for the effect it was going to have. It had an effect. God, I'm getting emotional talking about it. Sorry. Stanley, it had effect on my entire being by the end of that, you know, because it summed up so much about this country and as a black person, our relationship to, I'll call it the white establishment and racism and how all that shit works in the microcosm of that prison riot is kind of how I saw that movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it does. It says so much about this country, about about, about race, about racism, about the power of government about people being um thought of as less than human, about yeah, yeah. Uh, prisoners who are, you know, probably prisoners of the most mm-hmm. powerless people in, in the country and um, you know, them trying to, to to seek some power. Yeah. So it's about all those things, but condensed as you say, in this kind of roller coaster thriller story. Absolutely. And
1: you know, I was a kid when it happened, um and- My memory of Attica, you know, because I'm a comedian, Attica was always the butt of jokes, Attica, Attica, like people would always say that. And to me, I always thought of a prison uprising and, you know, people were shot and it just seemed that simple to me. It didn't. You know, I I, I certainly was too young to know the layers, but even later, I'd never really got the layers that this movie lays out, uh, from reporters to people who went into the prison to what happened before. Um, When did you, when was Attica first on your radar as a filmmaker?
0: Um, So I was around when Attica happened, you know, I was Mm -hmm. 19 years old. So I didn't, you know, understand as I think nobody did all the different uh, kind of reverberations, you know, the peel back the layers of the onion, it just kind of keeps on going. It's about so much more. I mean, if you're asking like, you know, when did I I kind of realize the whole story? It was when, you know, we were making the film, you know, and, and we just kept, you know, it just kept getting deeper. And at its core, it's these prisoners who rebel and are in the yard but then it goes all the way up to, you know, uh, the president of the United States.
1: Why did you want to do a film in Attica? Was, was it your idea or was it a, did it come about from a different way?
0: No, I, I had been thinking about it for maybe 30 years, you know, in the, in the back of your mind, you know, like, oh, you know, one day I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe three or four years ago, I, I just realized that, you know, the guys were getting old, you know, it was almost 50 years later, but that because so many people, so many of the prisoners were so young, you know, that they would still be, you know, for, for historical documentaries, you know, we say they they still be just 70, you know, they'd be only 70, 75 and and they would have great memories. And now would be the best last chance of of really getting their stories. So that's Mm. kind of started putting my energy into making this film.
1: You know, that is interesting because when you see something like Attica, it feels like it takes place like almost in a, parallel universe you know like those people can't be around anymore they must all be dead right and so it's another shock when you get to hear from the prisoners firsthand and the people who were directly involved because it really wasn't that long ago it's like it's been 50 years now yeah
0: it was it's 50 years um 2021 we actually premiered at the toronto film festival uh, 50 years to the day of the first day of the riot. So we, we, we premiered September 9th, 2021, which is the exact 50th anniversary. But, you know, I mean, so we thought that, that we could, that we would find, um, you know, there are a thousand guys in the yard. So we thought we would find some guys who were in the yard. I mean, and we have great, incredible voices. I mean, they were incredible, but also we found um, what's called the observer committee, you know, people, right. observers, and they were a bit older. But yeah. they're incredible. We found, you know, news people, including John Johnson, who was uh, a big deal in New York. I mean, for anybody, you know, he was I kind of the first John black yeah. reporter and had this Afro, you know, you know. And so John Johnson, yeah. uh, you know, went in and he was he was he's incredible in right. film. And uh, yeah, and then the hostage families who, you know, agreed to to do interviews with us, who are just, you know, heartbreaking because you know they are being held hostage and in the end are are treated. Uh, just like the prisoners, uh, when Rockefeller sends um, troops in to take back the prison.
1: Yeah, this is one of those stories for, from a cinematic standpoint. You're not sure who to root for in the beginning, but you damn sure know who the villains are by the <laughs> right. end, you know? <laughs> because you know, people are in prison. You don't know what they're in there for. Are They murderers. You know what? You know, maybe a couple of innocent people or whatever. You know, like even some of the people in there said, you know, at nighttime, we're on this yard. I don't know if the guy's a sociopath next to me. I don't know what's going on. You know, how can you even pick leaders in a situation like that? Now, how did the uprising, did it just start spontaneously? Or have people been talking about this?
0: Yeah, it, it was really kind of a spontaneous incident that had background. So, mm-hmm. you know, the prisoners in Attica were being mistreated, you know, and um, from, from big things to small things, small things like mm-hmm. only given being given one to- roll of toilet paper a month to beatings, you know, and if, if, if they reported the guards, then they were sent into solitary and beat again. So mm-hmm. it, it was brewing. And then it, we, we kind of set the stage in the film, you know, it's the time of the Black Panthers and they're being imprisoned and, and you know, they're Um, starting to gain um, advocates in the in the prison and the young lords and then george jackson he's out in california uh, in san quentin and and he's murdered in san quentin and that was kind of a breaking point uh, for prisons all over the country because in in many ways george jackson was an idol uh, of prisoners and when george jackson is murdered they go on a hunger strike and I, I love the the piece where one of the hostage families, uh, one of the guards' families, uh, says, you know, that my father came home, and they had complained. You know, they had complained to the the, the warden and, and others in the prison that something was going to happen. You know, the, these guys are 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 really mad, and something was going to happen. And they just and the the hierarchy of the prison dismiss it. You know, they just they dismiss it, but they say. But, you know, you probably should leave your wedding rings and and your wallets and anything else at home, but just go on back to work. And, uh, you know, um, the the riot breaks out.
1: And Stanley, so this is 1971, and we talked about the mistreatment of the prisoners, and they do point out that black prisoners were treated worse, but all were treated poorly, right? And I think what we have to remember, too, is that Attica is not an anomaly, that this was pretty much how it was back then for many prisons, right? If going to prison was almost a death sentence in itself in many ways.
0: And I, I could say you know, that, that, that it's not that much better now, but you know, the back then prisons were terrible. And, and you know, Attica is representative mm-hmm. in this film of, of the, the prison complex. You know, the, the prison town, you know, Attica is two hundred and fifty miles in upstate New York it's two hundred and fifty miles from New York City. It's in right. the middle of nowhere. It's a it was an all-white town. Uh the guards were all white. I mean, they were all white. There was nothing else in in, in the prison. And we think about prison guards, you know, like like, oh, they're they they've got some kind of training, you know, mm-hmm. but they had no training at all. No. I mean, so Friday, you know, you might be driving a truck and then, you know, you get get the job in Attica and Monday they give you a baton and a uniform and you're a prison guard. So it it was just a bad, bad, bad situation. And it it was almost like, you know, that something happened was inevitable.
1: Yeah. It almost seemed like uh, it definitely had to happen. And if it wasn't Attica, it was going to happen somewhere else. Right. Right.
0: I mean, and there were there were other prison uh, rebellions in the in the country at that time mm-hmm. one in, in another prison in say new york auburn but the difference in attica was that they had these hostages and they held the prison for five days mm. and that it really important for us is that the first day the prisoners said oh, when they got when they took hold of the prison they said we want the media to come in you know we what we want the media we want the cameras because they mm-hmm. wanted transparency. They wanted the the world to see it. And they thought that they would have a certain amount of protection if the mm-hmm. whole thing was filmed. So
1: who shot the footage that we see of Inside the Yard primarily? And how did you get a hold of that footage?
0: Yeah. So there, there, there's, there's three kind of different pieces of footage use or sources so the news cameras come in at 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 the invitation of the of the of the prisoners uh and that at that point that's abc cbs nbc and some of the buffalo stations so they're filming and and, you know i i I have to say that that at this point these are kind of the last days of the news shooting on 16 millimeter film it looks like a feature film i mean there's like yeah yeah. it's unbelievable. the look and, and also the camera people had to had to be highly trained. So they they're in there, there and they're shooting and, and it's beautiful. Then uh, New, the New York State was shooting black and white early video footage. They had this thing called a Port pack, which was like the first iteration of home video. And for some reason the, the, the prison had these cameras. and so they're up in the tower in the catwalks from the very beginning so they're shooting while the prisoners are still taking over the prison and and they're shooting every every day they're shooting and they're the ones who shot the takeover of the prison the guards shooting the guys crawling through the latrines and the mud and that horrible horrible stuff um, right. And one of the most amazing things for us is not only were they shooting, but I, I think they didn't know how to turn off the camera mic.
1: Wow. So the hot mic situation. Yeah. You
0: know, this is the best, the biggest, blackest, ugliest Negro I've ever seen. And one of the ma- most amazing things for me as a filmmaker, they're, they're kind of far back, you know, so they're shooting and they don't have a telephoto lens. So they take the rifle sight off the rifle. Mm. And they put it in front of the lens and they're shooting through the rifle mm-hmm. sight. So you see, um, you know, the, the, the things that they're shooting, the, the prisoners in the crosshairs of, of the mm-hmm. rifle sight. So that's,
2: wow. that's
0: just, you know, chilling, you know, when, you, when we think about how, how the thing ends up. And then the third yeah. thing was that um, uh, a lot of the, the, the still pictures that we used uh, were right. evidence, used as evidence um, in the suit, in the 25-year suit that happens after, after years the later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a woman named Liz Fink, a lawyer who worked for 25 years, a lot of it pro bono um, with the prisoners. Um, and she had collected a lot of pictures and files and everything to use as evidence. And that's where some of that stuff came from.
1: Yeah. There were a lot of moments that were, you know, very important moments in this, like even from a storytelling point, but the, the initial moment with the guard who's kind of ambushed, I guess is the right term. And uh, he's, he's beaten by the, the, them. And it's interesting to hear the, the people from a contemporaneous standpoint, still having that feeling where the guy said, I just had to beat a cop. You know, I just had to, I had to beat the shit out. I mean, you know how many times he's probably been beaten so many times, you know, just couldn't wait to get, but like, it's so sad to me. Like, I feel like those people probably couldn't even help themselves, you know. Like that kind of attack on somebody, I, I, I can imagine the spontaneity of that, and you're—it's almost this, ugh, like this expression that just had to happen, but unfortunately. W- was one of the worst things to happen in terms of what was going to happen later.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's it's incredibly sad that, that the day that they took over, uh, a guard, you know, Billy Quinn was beaten so badly that he was taken to the hospital and on life support uh, for the first three days. But on the other hand, it was part of the organization that the prisoners finally came to that no more guards were beaten and th- and that they mm-hmm. realized that for them to survive They would need to protect the guard and no guards were harmed. And they were very careful about that. The Muslims, Muslim brothers, you know, were given responsibility for keeping the guards safe and the the guards were kept safe. But we knew, you know, going into the film that one of the the turning points for us as storytellers was uh, the third day when Billy Quinn dies. He's in the hospital. But once he dies, then the the prison system, Governor Rockefeller, the prison system becomes much more unbending and unwavering that, you know, they will not give the prisoners amnesty. And the prisoners become much more focused on amnesty because they honestly feel that they could all be tried for murder or because nobody knew who actually, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, did the beating with Billy Quinn or they could be, you know, they could take the leaders. Okay, you're all you're the leaders, so you're responsible, and they would be tried for murder. So the big issue then becomes amnesty, and the two sides are just butting heads. You know, one side refuses, and the and the other side just keeps saying, "Well, they want amnesty."
1: Yeah, it's very interesting when they were first like starting those negotiations, and the warden, you know, I think it was the warden, whoever it was, like were they were they at all serious in the beginning, or at least looking? To find places where they could compromise? Do you think there was a chance it could have ended without the violence in the beginning before the officer died? Oh,
0: definitely. Definitely. I, I You know, they, they had 30 demands. 28 of the demands were met. Right. The one major demand that wasn't met was was amnesty. Yeah. And they just but just to be clear, <sighs> yeah. they wanted amnesty just for. What happened in in the rebellion in the prison? Right. They didn't want amnesty for what they committed on the outside, yeah. you know. And I think up until the moment that Rockefeller, you know, orders the troops in, there was a chance that it could end in a different way. And everybody felt that it was going to end mm-hmm. in a different way. You know, there was no inciting incident. You know, um, Billy Quinn died on the third day. They didn't come in until the fifth day. Yeah. From that third day to the fifth day, nothing happened. It wasn't like, oh, something is happening and, and, you know, we've got to go in there. It was just like, okay, the state says, we've had enough. Yeah. We're going to, you know, okay, you prisoners think you're so bad. You know, we're not going to negotiate anymore. We're just going to show you what we do. And they did it.
1: Like, how soon did this get the attention of the country? Like, because the first day might have been just a news story, but after a while, I think the country is watching this, right? Yeah,
0: no, I mean it, it's a story of the day. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's it's a prison takeover. They're hostages. You know, um, they're calling for 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 Rockefeller to end it. Um, you know, it was it was a huge, huge news story um, that that unfolded day by day. And and one of the things while we were making the film, we realized that, you know, the that if we if we did a day structure, you know, day one, yeah. day two, every day was different, and it's kind of like a thriller because every day is different, you know, from from the exuberation, as one of the, the former prisoners says, you know, the you know the exuberation of the first day just being outside yeah. and having some power to just despair when Billy Quinn dies. So it, it's really like like a roller coaster ride mm-hmm. up until the last minute you know there, there's still hope yeah. that it could end in another way and it should have ended in another
1: mm-hmm. way you know it was interesting that uh they accused the negotiating i just call him the negotiating guy because i i forget what he what he did the warden or whatever what was their awareness of what was happening on the outside because it seemed like they were aware of comments that he made how did they get information and how and why wasn't this sounds like an odd question but you would think the outside would cut off their ability to get any information.
0: Right. Well, they had a TV. You know, they oh, had a okay. TV out in the yard and, and they were watching. Oh, That's one of the great right. moments in, in, in the film for, for me is is, you know, Oswald, who was who was the warden, the, the, the prison commissioner in, right, in New right, York right. State, you know, um, they say to him on the second day, you know, like you're saying one <laughs> thing to us and you're yeah, saying exactly the other. When, when you when 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 you go outside the walls. Because, you know, in a clip that, that, that they saw, you know, he says, oh, the, the, oh, they want the world. They want everything. They're, you know, they're crazy. And, and then he comes back and it starts negotiating. they're like, wait a minute, you know, like you're, you know, you're acting like you're on our side. But we, we see you on the news, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're not stupid. It, it's kind of a, a great moment. But but also, I mean, one of the things to a certain extent, you have to understand that because they had 40 hostages, They could call certain shots, you know,
1: in the beginning, especially they
0: could say, you know, we leave, you know, leave the electricity on so that we can we can have a TV so we can see what's Mm -hmm. going on. Um, And and uh, Oswald, you know, to his credit, at least at first, was trying to negotiate this thing to a peaceful end. Yeah.
1: It seemed like maybe there was awareness that said, Okay, we fucked up. We treated you guys horribly. (laughs) We'll we'll have. All right. Maybe half as many uh, unlawful beatings. How about that?
0: Two rolls of toilet paper. I'll give you two rolls of toilet paper.
1: Exactly. Do you know, how did they get the hostages? Because they had guns though, didn't they? No, they don't. Oh, they didn't have guns.
0: Prison guards, uh, at least at Attica, you know, and I guess most of the time, don't have guns because you could easily overpower, you know, one guy, you know, he's, he's standing in the lunchroom. You take five guys, you overpower Mm -hmm. and now you have a gun. You know, and so they did not have guns, the guards inside the prison.
1: Mm -hmm. Was there any cooperation that was authentic between the white prisoners and the prisoners of color? When I watched your film, there was a couple of shots where it looked like, yeah, we're out here, but I don't know if we're a part of this. You know, <laughs> what was your feeling about that? You know, you know,
0: they, they were united as prisoners. You know, you see white guys, and and they you know are raising their fists and yelling before the rebellion. You know, that's one of the things that that happens in prisons. You know, is they're separated, people are separated, and you see, you know, the white prisoner talks about the fact that that's. That's the way the prisons were run on purpose, yeah. you know, he's given more food and better food because he's white, you know, and, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, that, that's a prisoner named Al Victory. And his interview is just it's just incredible because he says, really he, you know, the black guys are saying this this place was racist. And he says, yeah, it was racist. I, I got treated yeah. better because I was white. And, and that's no doubt, you know. And he, he says, you know, goes on to say, you know, I feel bad about it now. But that was the way to survive. You know, you had to survive in there. Yeah. So so that the prisoners were were, were, were kept apart and, and kind of pitted against each other, you know, by race. There was a thing that, that, that we didn't include, but like on the 4th of July, they would get ice, you know, like they would get to drinks with ice. Like that, that was a big deal. And they had white ice for the white prisoners and they had black ice for the black prisoners.
1: No. way. Now we
0: didn't we didn't because it it, it takes
1: crazy. It it
0: took too long to get to the punchline.
1: Right. If you put that in a movie, people would think you made it up too. Yeah,
0: but but they had and a couple of different people told us told us that story. You know, they had white ice and the prison and black ice. I mean, the
1: the imagination and the creativity that went into racism in those (laughs) days, oh man. It's like why can't you guys pour that creativity into something else? Why has it got to be poured into racism for Christ's sakes? Yeah. It's crazy. Was there anything that jumped out at you, Stanley, or really? I mean, you said you were 19 at the time, so you had awareness of, you know, what was happening in the world. But when you were looking back at this, did anything hit you or surprise you um, in that way? You were like, oh, man, I forgot about that. Or, wow, that really happened? Yeah.
0: You know, one of the things that really stands out is the conversations between Nixon and Rockefeller. Yeah. That's Those are from you know the the Nixon Presidential Library. You know the, the, the audio tapes that we use are are, are are you know between Rockefeller and Nixon. And uh, after the retaking of the prison, and thirty nine people are murdered, including you know nine guards. Nixon calls Rockefeller and congratulates him on what a great job he did in taking mm-hmm. back the prison. You know, and and I think it's like the you know um, one of the single um, worst days of violence. Uh, perpetrated by the government of the United States, you know, besides the Indian Wars, besides the slaughter of, of, of Native Americans, since the Civil War. I mean, you know, 40 people died. Um, so it, it's, it's just incredible. And, and Nixon and Rockefeller are talking about what a great job they did. And Nixon's first words are, was it the Blacks? Was it the Blacks that caused this whole thing? I mean, it's the President of the United States. You know, was it the Blacks? Was it the Blacks? And then he says, goes on to say, you know, where any white people killed? you know like, like like, it's like were any real people killed you know it, that really 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 shocked me that you know you, you're kind of led in to this world that that you know in, in your wildest paranoid black person dreams mm-hmm. you know you think exists, I but i guess you know it does exist
1: that one hit me hard too um really hit me hard because i've heard nixon say stuff like that before but and by the way in your film it's so graphic the images that we see i mean you're just, uh, you feel so sorry for these people. And, you know, to hear the president of the fucking United States, you know, and then Rockefeller, who I th- I thought I had more respect for, but apparently I have none now.
0: You know, I think that that, you know, the line is is, is so clear that and I think, you know thanks to some great interviews that we got, you know, that, that Nelson Rockefeller, you know, wanted mm-hmm. to be president. He had everything. A political
1: yeah. Animal. Yeah. He's a,
0: the governor of New York yeah. state, you know, who at that time, the yeah. biggest state in the country, you know, he has everything, but he wants to be president. And he felt that the only way to mm-hmm. be president was, was to be kind of hard on crime and, and a law, law and order candidate like Nixon mm-hmm. was. And so he has to Ha- prove his bona fides you know in, in 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 law and order and so one of the things he does is take back uh attica violently
1: the other thing that struck me about the way that that happened at the end was and when you guys when you watch this film if you have not seen it please see it uh you can see it in showtime right now i think is okay here let me let me set it up this way because Many times, when white people or people that don't are too young to understand how racism really exists in this country, uh, many times they think like the passing of a bill got rid of racism. You know, well, the civil rights bill passed in 1965. Why are black people complaining after that? You know, but they really don't know how it occurs, you know, and especially when you look at the prison system, to me, that was a place where many of these racist white people so I'm not going to say all white people, I'm saying racist white people, there you go, had the permission to act in the way that they used to be able to act without consequence you know, in the world. But, man, and when you see them saying, like, save a nigger for me and things like that, as they're shooting these people who have no guns and the ability to shoot back, that was another thing that left me speechless. I mean, there's cameras filming this shit and... You know, the freedom that they have to act out this way and they are free to treat black people like the niggers they are in this environment, you know, was just shocking. Yeah,
0: no, it's shocking. It's shocking for so in so many ways. It's shocking, you know, that that it's upstate New York, you know, that is not Mississippi. It's
1: not Alabama. Right. Let's let's say that again. Let's say that again, Stan. This is upstate New York, you guys. Don't give me that shit again about where racism exists in this country.
0: And it's it's there. It's there on film. It's there in the testimony of of the former prisoners, you know, um, after they retake the prison and, you know, 40 people are, are, are killed, they're outside laughing you know they're they're, i mean they're outside laughing you know like you know the guy says you know who wants to go back (laughs) and then they they start yelling white power
1: yeah white power this is like i thought they were just going after prisoners what does white and black have to do with it like
0: white power Um, is what they're saying so there's so many subtexts in in the film and and i think that the reason why yeah the, the film works because it, it it is it is a film about race and it is a film about you know um you know the unruly blackness and and how dare these prisoners you know um take over this prison and demand anything and and we'll show them we'll show them that they can't demand anything that that they have no rights at all and and uh this, the, the crazy thing about it is they go in, they, they sh- first shoot gas. So, you know, to knock people out and knock people down and they can't see, you know, and so, and they just start firing into the smoke, you
2: know, uh, randomly and, and nine guards are, are also killed. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello
1: treatment of the prisoners ever covered in the press at the time or was it just the other way around no I mean, I, as, as
0: I remember it, 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 it and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to to make this film mm-hmm. I, I wanted you know like okay so why did they rebel like exactly why did they rebel right. because it's almost right. like we feel like and, and I was guilty of this too of, of course they're of course they want to rebel of course they're mad they're they're in prison they're supposed to be bad you know right. um, but it was much more than that and 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 they were as they say over and over again in, in in the film and as the observers you know there was a observer committee that goes in uh say over and over again you know they just wanted to be treated like human beings right. sure they're they're incarcerated and and nobody said you know we're not we don't want to uh serve out our sentence but they wanted to be treated like human beings.
1: Yeah, because in the George Jackson situation, he was trying to escape prison, I believe.
0: But, you know, I mean, the the, cra- the craziest, I mean, you know, George Jackson was accused of smuggling a gun into the prison in his afro.
1: In his afro, yes, yes, exactly. In an afro, wait, not in his afro, in his afro wig. Yeah, right, I, I, I... <laughs> His afro wig was what he was accused of. Yeah. Who knows? And got life in prison for, like, stealing $70 or something like that.
0: Gas station robbery or something like that, yeah. It's
1: crazy. It's funny when you think about the Black
0: Panthers at that time.
1: And in the film, I think it's Bobby Seals. Does he visit them? And But they're kind of disappointed by that. You know?
0: Yeah, Bobby is... It does doesn't really do anything and and you know one of the reasons why why you know i felt that that scene was was really necessary was because you know mm. so many people know bobby seal came you know if you know anything you about attica you know oh didn't bobby seal come yeah he couldn't get him out we, we wanted to be impeccable we, we didn't want to be able to say well why did you why didn't you put that in you know but so so we put it in but you know i mean i think that At at the time, you know, in nineteen seventy one, the Panthers were starting to fall apart. You know, and they weren't what they were. Although, to to people in the incarcerated at Attica, they were still, you know, the Black Panthers, and they felt that that Bobby Seale might come in and, and 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 save them and be their hero.
1: So, in the years after that, was there ever any investigation into? The treatment of prisoners in of Attica has there ever been an investigation into that?
0: Yeah, there was a thing called the McKay Commission, with, which which investigated the whole mm-hmm. thing, and you know, prison Attica and prisons got a little better in, in some ways. Nobody was ever prosecuted for the forty deaths that that, that happened at Attica, nobody seriously um, was ever going to be prosecuted. Actually, mm-hmm. the, the people who, who represented the the prisoners actually, you know, could identify. People that were shooting into the crowds, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, you could at least prosecute them for attempted murder. I mean, you know, they were shooting, you know, blindly into the crowds, but nobody was ever prosecuted.
1: At least we had the Nuremberg trials for SS guards in World War II. Like, there's no accountability for, you know, people that acted with impunity. It's really interesting to see the guy who was in the National Guard who had a slightly different perspective because National Guard was from places all around America, you know, seeing these these locals who couldn't wait to shoot these prisoners, it seemed like it still kind of affected him.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's one of the most wonderful interviews because, you know, the National yeah. Guard guys are just, you know, there's two of them in the film, and, and they're near tears. I mean, yeah. because, like, they come in as medical help, so they, they come yeah. in carry stretchers. And, you know, what he's saying is that we could not stop it. You know, mm-hmm. how do you stop 500 guys with rifles you know, murdering people and torturing people, and and we felt helpless, but we felt that we we should do something. One of the things he told us that off camera was, you know, I've lived fifty years since then. Maybe if I live another twenty more, I'll feel like a man again.
1: Mm.
0: You know, um, because it just, you know, I mean, it, it, it's that it's that situation where you see a great wrong being done, but you cannot figure out how to do anything to stop it and and that's the the position that that the national guard is in and i i think they add something really um important to the film
1: absolutely and
0: these are these are two white guys who who aren't on anybody's side who who go Mm -hmm. into the prison Kind of f- for medical help and see the slaughter and the torture after the prison was taken,
1: yeah, the torture that happens afterwards is crazy, that's what I mean, like I just don't know how that gets to go by, you know I mean, I do, but you know it just makes your head explode yeah
0: i mean I, I think one of the things too is you know it's so visceral i mean they they filled it, you know they they know. That's just. That's what I mean. Like the Nazis, they recorded everything. They film go when they go in. They film them shooting and killing people. They shoot. They film the gas being They're dropped. Proud of it. They film them crawling through through latrines. One of the things I'm I'm really you know um proud of as a filmmaker just a little thing is that mm-hmm. the first day you see them building the digging the latrines you know and they, and they talk about it and the guy says oh, i didn't know what a latrine was but we dug these right. and and we built latrines and then when they take the prison you see them crawling through the latrines and you yeah. know we don't have- anything nope. you know what that is because you've seen them build the latrines i mean that's the kind of thing the torture that that they did you know um made them all crawl through mud stripped mm. them all naked at, yeah. you know nothing not a strip of clothes on anybody and just made them you know sit and march around around the yard i mean th- there was no reason for that and that's yeah. one of the, the things that one of the national guard says you know the prison was tight it was was retaken there there, were, there was no resistance you know um yeah, they and, and the and amazing. the torture just kept on.
1: And that's why, you know, for the audience listening, I compare it to what the Nazis did because they made these prisoners take all their clothes off in the prison yard, and they this is shot on beautiful color stock film. <laughs> you know, beautiful. beautiful color stock film. And you're looking at it going, What the fuck? Like, who thought this was the right thing to do? And I swear to God, it looks like they're going into the showers at Dachau, you know, or at Auschwitz, you know, that's what it reminds you of. They, you make an analogy to slave ships, but my God, you know, in contemporary times, how does this shit happen right here? And it's it's treated like it's just it's behavior that's supposed to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a thing that was out of control. There was no plan. That's one of the things that that really struck me. You know, there it, it's not like when they retook the prison the plan went awry. You know, there was no plan. Mm -hmm. The plan was to drop smoke, so incapacitate the prisoners and then start shooting. I mean, there was no plan to retake the prison in any peaceful way.
1: Yeah. And, you know, many people have talked about how the prison system in America, you know, the relationship to slavery, the prison industrial complex, and many people have blasted that as over the top. But when you see this, you understand that connection. Because the retribution that these people take on these prisoners is exactly what the slave master did to runaway slaves. Exactly that type of behavior. And that's what I mean. Like, there's no reason you punish these people or whatever. But this is outside of the law. This is a different relationship. This is that slave master relationship. Sorry, Kunta, your foot is getting chopped off now. You know, the law is not a consideration right now and you are not in the united states of america right now either you know you are in this prison system right
0: i mean and that 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 is it's not enough to just take back the prison right you know these prisoners have to be punished and have to be humiliated and punished uh right now in the most cruel and insane way that we can think of
1: you know another irony in this too is you know you so you have the hostages the white guards and then you had their families who, of course, have experienced a loss. And you spoke to some of those people. When did those people get it that their fathers were killed, not by these prisoners, but by the guards? Like, was there an understanding of that? Or is it still like, is there hatred towards the prisoners? Yeah, I
0: think <laughs> families occupy a, a very kind of strange space because... They're not in love with the prisoners, you know, <laughs> no. took the prison and took the hostages, no, no. but they're not in love with the state who went in firing randomly and killed in, in many instances, you know, their loved ones. So they're kind of in this middle position. And I just really, you know, my hat's off to them and I admire them so much in speaking so honestly to us in, in the film because that that's another dimension that just, know really sets this film apart Mm -hmm. i think that you know we talk to the people in attica and first they talk about the town of attica you know an all-white town that that's a prison town you know where where everybody works in the prison and that's how they get their livelihood and then uh, as as their their men get held hostage you know, just the worry and the fear and what's going to happen. And then, you know, at at the end, you know, we see people break down 50 years later from when they talk about how they found out that their fathers and husbands were actually killed.
2: Hmm.
1: And of course, the probably arguably the most, uh, I don't know if heartbreaking is the word, but you know, when you look at this through John Johnson's eyes, you know, as the reporter, the young black reporter, the position that is he in, what was it like talking to him?
0: Uh, it, it was in, incredible, you know, because he's incredibly he's he's incredibly passionate about this. You know, but just like everybody, these are amazing interviews. But sometimes we just ask people one question, They just go and go and go. Right? You know, right. um, and, and so many times, you know, people have not had a chance to really talk about this thing. You know and, and so we wanted to find prisoners that that you know might not have been the leaders but were just there mm-hmm. and, and had not had been, had a chance to talk about it. And John Johnson of course you know he lit, led an illustrious career after that. so you know he's probably talks about a lot of stuff, you know, but to really give him a chance to really talk about, uh, what happened at Attica and what he saw and what he felt from the beginning where he says, you know, he's very clear, you know, um, I thought that, that this was a landmark moment in the penal justice system where they would negotiate to a peaceful settlement. And that I thought that, that this would really change things and really make people uh, see uh, incarcerated people in a different way to the devastation that, he, that you see on his face. At the end, I think that John Johnson and and the observers also, you know, felt that a personal Mm -hmm. responsibility. You know, they felt that that by being there, by covering it, they could help uh, negotiate this thing to a peaceful end, and 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 a certain Mm -hmm. failure on their part because they couldn't do that.
1: You know, it's years later. There were these settlements and everything, but there's the the one person talks about how money doesn't help anything. They wanted justice. How do you feel about that? Do Like, you know, I don't know how to feel about that, too. I I agree with that. I feel like some people need to pay for that shit more than the state just paying out, like, to shut people up about it. I'm not mad at them getting money. Let me say that. I'm not mad at people getting money. But I wish there was some other accountability for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I feel the same way. You know, I I wish that there was accountability. You know, I've done a, a, a number of films on the civil rights movement and others murder of him until you know i'm nobody's gonna ever pay for this you know you know what are you gonna do if they haven't paid by now they're not they're they're not gonna yeah (sighs) (sighs) i I just want to say 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 one one thing too about about the film that it that is it is you know it's on showtime it's also on amazon prime even in some ways greater um showtime has put it on on their youtube channel for free for everybody And so everybody gets, you know, you type in Attica, Showtime, you know, you're on YouTube and it it just pops up at least until the end of March. You know, you can watch Attica for free that way, too.
1: Did you ever have any screenings with an audience live or was was this all virtual? Oh, yeah. Oh, tell me about that. How did how did that go?
0: Okay, so, you know, we we were struggling to just, you know, to to finish the film and, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we were just amazed that then. Toronto Film Festival, which is one of the big film festivals. Yeah, you know, said, I've been okay.
1: there. It's great. I love it. So
0: we want to show it on opening night. Yeah, you know, and we're like, okay, great. And we had pretty much just finished it. We screened it at at Toronto, and uh, it ends in this dead silence. <laughs> You're like, no, we failed. They hate uh, it. And then, and then we realized, you know, you don't feel, you don't feel right, even now when we say, you know, when I say, you know, you should watch this film, you know, see it, you know, I can't say, you know, uh, you know, you, you got to see Attica, you'll like it, you know, I can just say it's an experience, you know, <laughs> because it's so visceral that that uh, you know, it's it's not that kind of party. You feel it.
1: I was watching it. I was multitasking. I was I was on an exercise bike when I was watching it. You know, and. Man Stanley, when I got to the end, I had to stop i I really felt nauseous, you know uh, when I say it hit me in a way that I was not prepared for. I got out, I sat down. I said, first of all, I need to give this section of the film full respect for these people for what they went through. You know how you feel that when you're saying. These people, look what they went through. I have to respect them a little bit more right now. That's what I felt. I think people really, really need to see these, this film, and I wish I could see it in a in a theater because I'm sure even on a big screen, especially when you get to the end, it's got to overwhelm people. I would think, you know. Here's what I believe: people, honestly, they don't really experience what real human brutality really is. You know, we get glimpses of it and that type of thing. And sometimes we see it, but it's usually cloistered away in some neat little box like World War II or whatever. But when you, like when we talk about war and that, we hear about drones and that, but to see real human brutality, what is it? And it's, and by the way, human brutality is not a one-off. We're talking about thousands of years <laughs> of human brutality. When you see it up close, man, it has an effect on you.
0: You know, the the last half hour of the film, you know, it just kind of keeps going and going. And you think, you think that, okay, you know, they're made to crawl through mud. Oh, but you know, they're, you know, they now have to crawl through latrines and then they torture big black and then they, they chase down uh, 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 Barkley and, and murder him. And then, you know, it just keeps on going and they make them run over glass and beat them. And then, then we go to the guards, Uh, Families who who are just devastated, and then Nixon is congratulating. You know, it's just like it's like, whoa. You know, like it just kind of keeps piling on. But that's that that that's the story that 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 we have to tell. And and a lot of you know, we we. we Took a lot of time and a lot of care, you know, with that. Or there were some images that, that we did not use. The, you know, the beautiful color pictures. We uh, screened it at, at Toronto. One or two pictures. were like We were like, oh, God, no, 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 no. And we went back and kind of switched those pictures out because they were just, they were really too, too much. It's too much. Yeah, man. especially when you see them on a big yeah. screen, you know. it's was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know.
1: Well, Stanley, thank you so much for being here. Like I said, it's a very important film. Guys, let's all... I'm crossing my fingers for you at the Oscars. You know, it's great filmmaking and it's an amazing film. So, go see it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's also on Showtime if you happen to have that, and it's on YouTube for your kids because I know your kids like the YouTube. <laughs> Everybody can find it. Well, I look forward to your next adventure, Mr. Nelson. Will be. I don't know. Thank looking you. Looking forward to. Thank you for being here. Attica, you guys, go see it. Thank you so much, sir. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much.